Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. There's so much freedom that, that comes along with this new covenant in Christ. It really is a beautiful thing. I would have been stressed out back in the day. If this was me, and I would have been just completely stressed out and worried, like, did I get that right? Is he going to kill me? Like, did I sacrifice that right? Was there a blemish on that animal? Was there not? You know, I would, I'd be so stressed and just overwhelmed with anxiety on just on worshiping God. And obviously, that's not what he intended. But he wanted their hearts to take him seriously. God cared about the intimate details of the sacrifices that his people brought in offering. As Pastor James will point out in today's message, the laws surrounding sacrifice found in Leviticus might stress you out or confuse you. Most of us aren't familiar with the animals or the plants on the level that the Israelites would have been. These animals were their livelihood, and they would have quickly recognized and known what the best of their herd or crop was. It mattered to them, and it mattered to God. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Leviticus, chapter 19, with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. We're in Leviticus chapter 19. This one's pretty good. I actually referenced this chapter when we were talking about the greatest commandment. And Jesus, Jesus had said, love the Lord your God with you know, all of your being and love your neighbor as yourself. And then I referenced Leviticus 19 as how do you love your neighbor? Well, Leviticus 19 tells us how practically to love our neighbors. So it's very simple. It's a, it's a cool little breakdown. But we're going to walk, just walk through this chapter, um, and then we're going to go through chapter 20 as well, because they, they flow pretty quick. But at the onset of it, uh, just so that we understand this, Leviticus is all about holiness. God is holy. If we are his people, we must be holy. That's just how it is. And holy living is required by God, okay? So verse 1 of chapter 19 says this, The Lord also said to Moses, give the following instructions to the entire community of Israel. You must be holy because I, the Lord, your God, am holy. See, there it is again. It's just a common phrase throughout the entire book of Leviticus. And not just Leviticus, but the first five books for sure. Each of you must show great respect for your mother and your father. So honor your mother and father. We'll see throughout this references to the Ten Commandments. And you must always observe, observe my Sabbath days of rest. I am the Lord your God. Do not put your trust in idols or make metal images of gods for yourselves. I am the Lord your God. Okay, so again, Ten Commandments. It's the sim- it's simplicity of it all. Don't uh, number one, honor your mom and dad. Uh, that's also the only commandment with that comes with a promise. If you want to live a long life, honor mom and dad. Okay. Because practically, if you don't honor mom and dad, you might not make it because uh, they may take you out. Um, so the Bible is saying, honor your mother and your father. And there are no like, uh, there are no determining factors there. There's no like, yeah, but my mom was this or my dad was that. It doesn't say, it doesn't give you an out. Honor mom and dad. Okay. Honor mom and dad. Also, don't make any idols. Don't, don't craft a God to worship. If you can craft 
your God, then it's not a God, okay? Um, it's not worthy of your worship, right? Only God is worthy of our worship because he crafted us. So we worship him, okay? And this is just simple, this is the simple things that Moses, by way of the Lord, is reminding the people because they're about to go in Canaan and, and the people in Canaan disrespect mom and dad. The people in Canaan make idols to worship. The people in Canaan, this whole list is everything that they came from in Egypt, but that they're also walking into in Canaan. And it's also what we live in today. So we need to be reminded of these things. Yes, Jesus fulfilled the law. However, the law in some of these, some of these things, it's wise to apply these things. Now, there's some things that are in here that just don't apply that much anymore. And we'll, we'll talk about that. But initially, these things definitely uh, help us to kind of recenter our focus onto the Lord because He is holy. We should be holy. Respect mom and dad. Don't make any idols. It says here in verse 5, when you sacrifice a peace offering to the Lord, offer it properly so you will be accepted by God. So worship right. You can't just do whatever you want to do. God is, he's, he's a God of order. And he says, this is how I want to be worshiped. And we must fall in line with that. And so we don't get to make the rules. He's already established them. And so when the sacrificial system was going on, God set the parameters. He established the boundaries. And he says, you will sacrifice to me, and this is how you will do them. And when you do them this way, then I will accept those sacrifices. The problem is with the Israelites, is the same problem with me, is that we're rebellious. And sometimes we want to shortcut things. And I don't want to put all the effort into it. And God says, well, if you don't want to put all the effort into it, then I'm not going to accept your sacrifice. And so, so he's just, he's making this clear to the people, to these stubborn people, you'll do it my way. You're going to do it my way. And, that, and that's how it should be. That's really how it should be. And I love that, you know, New Testament and how Jesus has fulfilled the law and all that good stuff. And, uh, and he's actually magnified the law to, in, in certain regards, but man, he's done all the work for us to where it's like, this beautiful thing, even with the Sabbath rest, finding our rest in Jesus, it's like worshiping God is, it really is an easy thing in that sense because Jesus has, he's fulfilled everything. So it's not about these sacrificial things and all that. We, we're free of that, but now we get to like love the Lord God with all of our being and love our neighbor um, and rest in Jesus. And there's so much freedom that, that comes along with this new covenant in Christ. It really is a beautiful thing. I would have been stressed out back in the day. If this was me, and I would have been just completely stressed out and worried, like, did I get that right? Is he going to kill me? Like, did I sacrifice that right? Was there a blemish on that animal? Was there not? You know, I would, I'd be so stressed and just overwhelmed with anxiety on just on worshiping God. And obviously, that's not what he intended. But he wanted their hearts to take him seriously. So, the peace offering, do it properly. It's going to be accepted. The sacrifice must be eaten on the same day. You offer it or, uh, or on the next day. Whatever is left over until the third day must be completely burned up. These are some of the things we've already covered a lot of this. If any of the sacrifice is eaten on the third day, it will be contaminated, and I will not accept it. Anyone who eats, on the, uh, eats it on the third day will be punished for defiling what is holy to the Lord and will be cut off 
from the community, okay? So there's consequences to not obeying God. That's just how it goes. What I, what I like about this, um, I think I got this quote from uh, Tony Evans. It says, getting things right in our lives, families, and the church leads to getting things right in our society. In fact, I know that was from Tony Evans, okay? Because that's exactly what he would say. Um, getting it right in our lives personally, in our families, and in the church will naturally overflow into the community. You want to change the community? It starts with you. It starts with your house. And it starts with your church. We're never going to change. We're never going to change our communities if we're not willing to respect God and love God with all of our being. Okay? Starts there. All right. So here's some, uh, here's some rules that we're going to go through that really just don't apply that much in one regard. Now, it's, these are rules of them going into the promised land. Okay? These aren't like moral laws. Moral laws still remain. All right? That's still, they still should be respected. Don't murder people. That's still a good law. That's still something that applies today. Now, when you harvest your fruits and your vegetables... That's, that there's grace, I guess. Um, there's what clothing you're wearing, fabric, material. Hey, it's okay. You don't have to, you don't need to be sweating today if you have a mixed fabric blend on your shirt, okay? You're not outside the will of God. You're not sinning. It's okay, right? But verse 9 says, when you harvest the crops of your land, that's going to be in Canaan, do not harvest the grain along the edges of your field, okay? This is a good, a good rule. And do not pick up what the harvesters dropped. It is the same for your grape crop. Do not strip every last branch of grapes from the vines. And do not pick up the grapes that fall on or fall to the ground. Leave them for the poor and the foreigners living among you. I am the Lord your God. Okay? So here's a rule. And this, this does apply. Yes, it, it actually does apply. Even if you don't own farmland, this is talking about showing dignity to the poor taking care of the poor, right? This is not a welfare system, so to speak, but this is like what the Lord did here, and it's really beautifully portrayed in the book of Ruth because Ruth and Naomi did this, okay? They went to Boaz's field, and Boaz, and this was part of the rule, and he was an honorable man, so he was listening, and he was obeying this rule, but he also instructed his workers, leave some extra because he liked Ruth. <laughs> he, 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 liked, he liked Ruth. And, but what the, so what the Lord is establishing here with Israel is saying, look, there are going to be people who fall on hard times. We should be there to help them out. Here's the other rule that applies. I think this is uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. If a man doesn't work, a man doesn't eat, right? And so you want the food, you got to go to the field and pick up the food. The food is free. The food is available, Get off your butt and go get the food, is what the Lord is saying, right? To the people who own the fields, he's saying, don't be stingy. If you have excess, leave some for the people who are going through difficult times right now. And the, the way the Lord set that system up was beautiful. It's amazing. And so you don't have a bunch of freeloaders. You have people who are like, I need food. I'm on hard times. I'm going to go get the food. I'm going to work for it. And that, that was an amazing thing that they had set up. And some of these practices are still in place, and, I, and I'm all for, you know, organizations that want to help, you know, treat those who are poor with fairly and with dignity and with justice. I'm all for that, but I'm not all for 
taking away the work side of it. I'm not for the free handouts, so to speak, right? And I, and I can say that because, well, I grew up super poor. I mean, we grew up super poor. I mean, there was a time where I lived basically off of potato soup, quote unquote. And I say that because don't think of potato soup uh, like you would find in a restaurant. I'm talking about a, a, a pot with milk and quartered potatoes. That's what I ate. That, that was our meal. I mean, that was it. And we may have had some milk, you know, and if we didn't, then, you know, put some water in there and some butter and salt and pepper. And we were eating like POWs, man. I mean, that's like, that's what it felt like. Is like, but that was our food. I remember standing in line at the food distribution places. I remember standing in those lines, those long lines with my mom and getting big containers of peanut butter that, I mean, the, the oils were bleeding through the cardboard container. And my goodness, it was a workout just to stir that stuff up. And you can't put it on your bread that they give you because government bread is not like normal bread. As soon as you spread that peanut butter that can't stir, it tears the bread apart. That's just how it was. But we love that stuff. And then the blocks of cheese, that's not natural, right? These are rectangular blocks of cheese that I don't care how much heat you put on these things, they don't melt, right? You guys know what I'm talking about. You slice it up and it like never melts. I don't know what chemical thing they did to this stuff, but it's not cheese, but it looked like cheese. So we had cheese sandwiches. We had mayonnaise sandwiches. And just mayonnaise on bread. That's what we ate. And if we were lucky, we had some sugar and some cinnamon, and we made cinnamon sugar toast, and that was our desserts. Like, that's how we lived. So I understand this because this was a part of my past. And so I appreciated when people would show up to our house on Christmas when I had no presents, and they gave us presents. I, 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 that, still, that still sticks with me to this day. I, liked, I appreciated people who still showed us dignity and still showed us respect, even though we were poor. And I still appreciate the fact that my mom was willing to work two jobs to try to keep the lights on and to make sure we had food. And we were still as poor as can be, but she was still showing up to the field to, to gather the grain, so to speak. Um, I, the Bible is just, the Bible is, is, is amazing at this. And, and, you know, every system, anytime man gets his hands on a system, it's going to be corrupted and all that good stuff. But this still can be applied within our lives today as believers. If you have excess, then share that excess. I mean, take care of each other. That's just, that's, it's simple. If you can help, then help. And if you can't help and you're in need of help or assistance, then the church is where you should find that help and assistance. And it's just how it is. And that's the way that God intended it. Verse 11, he says, don't steal. Do not steal. Do not deceive or cheat one another. So in your business practices and all that good stuff, don't rob each other. Don't try to, you know, get one over on each other or anything like that. Be honorable in everything that you do. Verse 12, do not bring shame on the name of your God by using it to swear falsely. I am the Lord. So do not make promises in his name that you have no intention of honoring. Don't do that. That's disrespectful. And that still applies today. <laughs> I swear. On what? On who? You better watch it. Because if you have no intent of honoring that, then you better not use his name. I don't think he likes that. I still don't think he likes that. Uh, so be honorable. You represent God. 
So let your yes be yes and your no be no. I mean, that's just how it is. Do not defraud or rob your, bro- your neighbor. Kind of goes back to verse 11 a little bit there in your dealings with your neighbor. Don't make your hired workers wait until the next day to receive their pay. Oh, that's nice, right? No, you, like, you, we would all like that, like same day paychecks. I mean, that's awesome. No, this is in, in regards to individuals who were like, yeah, I'll pay tomorrow. Yeah, I'll pay you tomorrow. Checks in the mail, checks in the mail. And you're like, well, that was like three weeks ago. No, it's if you said you're gonna if you if you said you're gonna pay them, then you pay them. If somebody did work for you and you told them you were gonna pay them a certain amount, then you pay them a certain amount. It's just, it's, again, it's just about being honorable. It's about being holy because God is holy. Do not insult the deaf or cause the blind to stumble. I don't know who you are, if this verse applies to you, but you are the worst person on the planet. If you are abusing blind people and deaf people, that is like despicable. That's so crazy that they, he would have to say this. But he had said because it happens, right? So don't insult the deaf. Don't cause the blind to stumble. You must fear your God. I am the Lord, right? So show honor towards those who may have some sort of physical disability, right? It's like just honor them. Treat them with respect, compassion. Verse 15, don't twist justice in legal matters by favoring the poor. That's good or being partial to the rich and powerful. Always judge people fairly. That's a good word for the United States of America, (laughs) right? Because we're on both sides. The rich, they have advantages and all that good stuff, but then there's some judges who favor the poor. And they're going to stick it to the rich person just because they're rich. But they're going to show way more grace to the poor person because they're poor. Then you have judges who are like, well, this person can help me out, so I'm going to favor them. And you could do nothing for me, so I'm going to hit you with the book. We go both ways. And God says, be balanced. Be equal. Do not spread slanderous gossip among your people. Do not stand idly by when your neighbor's life is threatened. I am the Lord. Yeah, if your neighbor needs help, you help your neighbor. You doing all right over there? Looks like you're struggling. You having a heart attack? Hey, I hope you work through it. I'll pray for you, right? You're like, what? (laughs) Go help him. House is on fire. Oh, man, rough day. Sorry about that. You know, like, no, go help. Help your neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself. Did you want your neighbor to help you? Then show up and help your neighbor, okay? Do not nurse hatred in your heart for any of your relatives. Well, that's interesting. Uh, <laughs> no, don't harbor bitterness or hatred in your heart towards any of your relatives. Confront people directly so you will not be held guilty for their sin. That's a fascinating little statement there. So don't harbor hatred towards family members. And if there's some business going on, deal with the business. Have a little family meeting. That's, and that's hard because family is difficult. Because family knows you better than anybody else, typically. And sometimes these kind of conversations are hard to have with family Especially if you're trying to have them out of a, we were just talking about this last night at our, at our home group. If you're trying to like out of compassion towards that person, confronting them because you want to follow the biblical example of Matthew chapter 18, you see your brother sinning, you want to go alongside it and like you want to, hey, we got to deal with this. Oftentimes you're met with just a, just a 
not a response, but a reaction. You know, like, how dare you? Who do you think you are? You know, you can't judge me. You know, all that stuff where you're like, well, if you read your Bible, um, yeah, we, we can judge each other. That's actually true. But here it's like, don't harbor, don't give place in your heart for hatred towards your family. But also deal with stuff. Don't let it, don't, don't sweep things under the rug. Deal with it directly. Confront them directly. Not out of love. Or I mean, you know, not without love. My bad. Uh, with love and truth, you confront it. If sin, is, if sin is going on, then you deal with that. Because if you turn a blind eye to it, it seems as though it's like you're going to be guilty by association. If you know something's going on that is not right, and you don't do anything about it, then aren't you just agreeing with that person in their sin? I mean, technically, that's what that's saying. So we're not supposed to be spiritual police officers beating down other people's doors with, you know, warrants, sin warrants of like, hey, you know, he doesn't need us for that. He's got the Holy Spirit who's really good at convicting us of sin. However, if we notice something that's happening within somebody's life that, that could really lead to harm and it's sinful, then we should say something. Because not saying something, you're just, you're, that means that you're just okay with them on this path to destruction. You're just okay with it. So that's a hard thing, especially if you, you don't like confrontation, which I don't at all. I hate confrontation. This is a difficult one, right? You're like, Ugh, I don't want to. Who's really good with That's what you got to do, delegate. You delegate. You're like, you like confrontation. Hey, I need you to go tell someone. No, because then you're kind of gossiping and just, just do it. Um, just do it. Verse 18, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against a fellow Israelite, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So look at that beautiful little statement right there. Love your neighbor as yourself. Don't bear a grudge. Don't seek revenge. Hey, that's a good word for, for all of us. And especially if you've ever served any time in ministry, don't seek revenge. Okay? Let the Lord fight your battles. Let the Lord fight you. There will be attacks. If you serve in any capacity, you already know, people will attack you. That's just how it is. Let the Lord fight your battles. I learned that early on from Pastor Chuck Smith when I was out in Bible college, and he would say this every so often, but let the Lord fight your battles. And I knew what he was talking about because I'm like, it's Papa Chuck, man. It's Pastor Chuck. Like, he's the sweetest guy in the world, and people were coming at him all the time. And he never took up the offense. He says, you know what? And he always had this really beautiful smile on his face. The Lord, let, I'll let the Lord deal with him. Let the Lord deal with him. It's a good place to be because that revenge, it's only going to hurt you. It'll never hurt them. It'll only ever just hurt you. You must obey all my decrees, verse 19. Do not, oh, here's a fun one. Do not mate two different kinds of animals. <laughs> um, sorry, no ligers, okay? No tiger and lions, none of that stuff. Sorry, Napoleon Dynamite, but no ligers. Uh, this is back in the day. Now, you know, now we're trying to figure out how to breed different animals and plants and all that sort of stuff now for the sake of science. Back then, the Lord's like, hey, uh, just don't, don't do that, okay? Hope 
Pastor James Grizzle has been making his way through the book of Leviticus here on Bread for the Broken. Leviticus can be a tough book to get through, with all of its rules and regulations, and sometimes it can be hard to see why we should learn any of that at all today. But every book in the Old Testament points to the person of Jesus. Several of the chapters in Leviticus deal with people who have sinned unintentionally, and then later come to realize their sin. God lays out for them the steps to take in order to receive forgiveness. Now, the people of Israel brought sacrifices to the priests to pay for those sins. But we have a great high priest in Jesus who offered himself as a sacrifice. Leviticus 6-7 says, And the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord, and he shall be forgiven. How amazing is it that we have this great high priest who has atoned for all of our sins? The mission of Bread for the Broken is to help people find hope and new life in Jesus. If you'd like to join us in that mission, we have an opportunity for you to donate and to help us spread the word. Head on over to breadforthebroken.com to join us in the mission today. Once again, that's breadforthebroken.com. While you're there, you can explore all of the other messages and share them with your friends. And if you're in the Galveston, Texas area, we'd love to see you in a service at Calvary Galveston. We're here Sundays at 10 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. But if you can't make it, we stream all of our services on Facebook. Well, we're out of time for today. We'll see you again next time here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you, man.